In this week's podcast, we're going to take a look back at some of the trials and tribulations that half of the British Touring Car Field went through, and next week, we'll bring you the other half. Hello guys, and welcome back to the British Touring Car Podcast. Uh, quick note, if you'd like to like, subscribe, um, if you haven't already, and leave us a comment on what you think last season was like um we're going to jump straight into it and get on to probably about half of the grid i think about 17 drivers um and many different teams but i think first place we should start is at the champion ash sutton so instead of going through round by round uh, and going uh, as a review for that because let's face it, the DVD can do a much better job than we can of that. We're going to go through driver by driver, uh, give them the mid-season grade, which we did on our mid-season review pod, their final grade, and a little bit of a summation of how they did throughout the season. So, as Sam said, starting off with the champion for his second time in his touring car career, Ashley Sutton, who we agreed a mid-season grade of A4. It'll come as no surprise that I've given him an A star as his final grade. Sam, I presume you're on a similar line? Yes, I have uh, a star for me all day long. Um, obviously, finishing top of the championship for a second time in his career, as you said, uh, with 350 points, uh, taking five wins and five podiums along the way. And in the end, it was quite a domineering uh, victory. Uh, it was a fairly large points gap for touring car standards, anyway. Uh, the only person who was going to stop him taking his second crown was Ash Sutton himself. Uh, as Fantastic as he was to watch, my only criticism of his season as a whole would be guilty of overdriving at times. Uh, I know he's certainly a driver who likes to live his racing life on the edge. Sometimes though, you do have to play the numbers game and just you know settle for second rather than first a couple of times. But that's the, the true racer in Ash, I suppose. Yeah, uh, for me, his highlight of the season actually was at that final round where he sealed the title in a very un-Ash Sutton way. And he did exactly what he needed to do. He stayed out of trouble and he he got a win on that final day and points that completely just put anyone else at arm's length. Interesting you chose that as his uh, greatest sort of highlight of the year. I would probably be inclined to go for Knock Hill uh, where I thought his championship really kicked off um, at the Knock Hill weekend as being his highlight of the year. Um, that's for me where he really sort of showed that he was going to be in, in this uh, title fight and was going to be taking it to, to the likes of Colin Turkington uh, for top spot. Yeah, he certainly had a good weekend there, didn't he? Um, a double win for him along with fastest laps. It was a, a fairly commanding opening to that weekend and then finished it off with an 11th in the reverse grid race. Um, there, there, there weren't many low points in his season, to be fair. Um, I think the lowest point for me was that collision with Jake Hill at Croft where he caused his own problems and um, it was one of his two non-scores which were both because of punches. That one was his fault and the other one was at Silverstone which was not quite his fault. I think he caught debris there. Um, but that was the kind of Ash Sutton we were used to seeing in, in pushing so hard that it could cost him. Yeah, I think with both of those, um, what was fantastic was that his bad low light happened in race two of each one then at Silverstone he took a third in race three from the effectively the back of the grid and at Croft he took a fifth um, from race three from again practically the back of the grid I'd be inclined to agree I think Croft was the worst one because if, if memory serves me right Colin had hit the wall at this point uh, figuratively and literally uh, and was therefore yep. out of the race at Croft and would end up not being able to contest race three either um, but that that was one that stuck out for me a lot that said, at Silverstone, when he also potentially overdrove and got the puncture, Colin won the race, and that could have been a real turning point. Um, but I think the Croft one is worse because he's almost done it again a week later um, when he had a mm. real chance to swing swing the title back in his favour. And, and, and the, the Croft one especially was the fact that it was his fault and it was him going for a move on Jake Hill, which the gap was always going to be narrowing. Um, and he came out worse off, whereas he could have left it because he, he more than had the pace over Jake Hill that weekend. 
Agreed. Uh, talking of pace, I think that's the one thing I'll take away from his season as a whole. That pace was insane in the car. Or effectively fresh out the box from the BMR side of things. Um, obviously, Aidan's been running the Q54 half a season, but this was sort of fresh out the box with BMR tuning on it. Um, incredible pace right from the off. Uh, it's an absolute rocket ship of a car, and he is just so good to watch on the overtakes. It, 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 he is why people tune in to watch racing. Have you been reading my notes? Because they exactly say how bloody quick he was out of the box. <laughs> I can't read your notes because we're still, we're still distanced. We're still not allowed to see each other because of the way the world is. So no, no, just two minds thinking alike there, I think. Um, I say, you know, we, we, we say the British Touring Car is one of the most exciting uh, race disciplines to watch and there's fast, hard, fast action. And he is definitely one of the reasons why people want to tune in and want to watch because he does light up the track uh, both on and off it yeah the the pace that he showed early season was really quite surprising considering what Aiden had done in the car for the previous half a season um, and to take a win on that opening weekend it showed that he really meant business and that he was properly going for this title and he was all in agreed and I think that you know sometimes you say was the uh, winner a worthy winner? I mean, they are always a worthy winner because they take the most points, but I think this year, anybody else winning would have been a travesty given um, just he how was, quick he was. He was an exciting winner. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've mentioned his teammate a couple of times there, so let's get into Moffat's report card. Mid-season, we went for a C. Final grade, I've gone for a C+. How did you rate his his first full season in the Infinity? Yeah, the end of season for me was just a C. He was fairly average throughout. Um, he had some highlight performances. Um, one of those was at his home circuit in Knock Hill, uh, where he actually looked fairly close to the pace of um, Ash, considering Ash took those two wins. Yeah, I I was impressed by the second half pace. I mean, he 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 looked more on it in the second half of the season. He did look more up to the task. I think particularly Brands the final weekend he managed to score in all three races. Um mm. he looked quicker f- between Silverstone and Croft but yeah, I'm slightly underwhelmed if I'm being honest with you. That's you know, he's had now two seasons in the car uh, or a season and a half, okay, in the car. His best result all year was Brands Hatch in race 3 in Brands Hatch mm. Grand Prix where he took a fourth. Um and he he only finished the season on 105 points and down in 15th in the championship. I think that's the most disappointing thing for me, is when you look at who's ahead of him, Chris Smiley and Senna Proctor in brand new cars. Yeah. Ollie Jackson, who had, okay, a very good year, um, don't get me wrong. Matt Neal, who was meh all year, along with Tom Chilton, who was meh all year. There are people that he might, and when you actually look at how their seasons went, you m- might say he should have beaten. And, you know, okay, he was coming to the head of Stephen Jelly, but he's ahead of everyone you'd expect him to be ahead of. Oh, yeah. And not, but a long way off, really, where you'd expect him to be in that car, particularly when you see how well Ash has done. I mean, Ash has effectively uh, tripled the points that uh, that um, Aiden achieved in the same equipment, and that's always got to be the, the litmus test. You know, what has your teammate done in the same equipment? Uh, okay, I know BMR might be slightly more influenced in uh, Ash's side of the things, but to be you know over treble points back, it's it's not great. I'd be surprised if there there wasn't that much sharing between uh, BMR and what Moffitt does. I know Moffitt likes to do his own thing and go his own way, but they specifically brought Ash in midway through last season to have a test of the car to see what was going wrong for Moffitt. Obviously, it, it was a testing day for Ash to go, oh, I quite like this, but... Yeah, I think Aiden certainly needs to move on at a quicker rate. And actually, for me, that was the surprise this season, is that how far off Ash he was in the end. And I think it may just be a case of the skill gap. I think that's part of it. I, th- I think next or you know, this season is going to be the, the litmus t- test for him. You know, There's no excuses this year, I don't think. He'd have had a whole year in the car to get used to it. I think that he's got to got to improve this season and improve fairly quickly um, because obviously they want to be competing in the teams uh, they're going to be I believe a free car assault we're not, we're not quite sure how they're going to be doing the uh, team lineup so it'll be Moffat and Sutton as uh, laser tools and then Bordley with laser tools with someone I'm not sure how that's going to work but certainly they mm. 
he needs to score more. Silverstone was a good weekend for him, and he needs to replicate Silverstone more often than not. Yeah, um, he, his low point for me was Thruxton, where he only scored one point. Um, I, that car we we thought was going to do really well there, and really struggled, and it was very much a, a civic track. Well, you say that, but but Sutton put in a fifth, a fourth, and a fourth. So, well, yeah, you know. But I take your point that you'd expect more. But you know, when you've put a fifth, a fourth, and a fourth in. You know, you as your teammate, you expect something better than than what you got. With as you say, one point scored. So, yeah, needs to be improved. I think. Uh, who are we going to look at next? Uh, I think we should move on to Tom Ingram in his Speedworks Corolla. Um, he finished fourth in the championship. Uh, 326 points and was in it until the penultimate round of the season if I remember rightly uh, he had three wins and eight podiums took more podiums than Sutton in the end so for a mid-season score we agreed a B my final score is yep. an A how have you scored him for the end exactly the same an A for me as well um, the second half of his season he really kicked mm. on in pursuit of that title um, something which has eluded him for many seasons now, and he has been very close to it before. Um, this season, I just think that Ash was a class above, and also that Tom didn't convert enough second places. With all those eight podiums, I think like six or seven of them were second places. I think he's also suffered a bit from being caught up in other people's incidents, which hasn't helped him. I, you know, you look at Silverstone where he didn't actually do an awful lot wrong himself, but Mm. Ended up with a second, a 25th and a retirement. He got caught up in, I believe it was Sutton's problem in race two. And then uh, trying to come from the back of the grid. If memory serves right, he made an, a, an ambitious move around the outside and ended himself um, off in the wall. into the wall. Brands Hatch, GP, yep. he got spearheaded from memory of somebody else having an off. Um, I think he just got involved once too often in other people's problems. Because you look at the rest of his scoring, I mean, his lowest score is... I'm just looking across the barrier here. I think sixth is his lowest. Oh, sorry, a tenth for Knock Hill is his lowest. Oh no, thirteenth. There we go. Mm. A thirteenth is his lowest of the season. The rest are all pretty much sixth or higher. I mean, there's a few obviously outliers here yeah. and there, but you know, it's a very quick car and a very quick driver, and he scores and puts together good runs. I think you're right. I think perhaps he needed to convert a couple more seconds, but you know, he's he's finished the season with three wins, um, a couple of podiums chucked in there as well. I think it, you know. I think the main problem has been being caught up in other people's problems. Because you look at one, two, three retirements and a non-point score. That's that's the gap and and some to to certain in first. Yes, yeah. Um, his highlight of the season though was that double win at Thruxton, um, and he was absolutely on fire there. And no one looked like he was gonna that he was gonna stop him. That's interesting you've gone for that. My highlight was Brands Hatch Indy, I think, where a treble podium. Um, I know it wasn't mm. quite the back-to-back wins, but yeah, he had to outscore to stay in the hunt, and he did pretty much everything he could have done. Um, just going back to my early point, I, I just remembered at Snedston, of course, he had a second, a second, and should have probably had a third, uh, only to have his Kermit the Frog moment with uh, Butcher. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love that meme. Yeah, it's a great meme. There's not enough memes in the touring cars. And that's a superb meme. Um, you know, at, at Brands, all he could do was score and take a treble podium, a third mm. and two seconds. Pretty good effort in difficult conditions as well. Um, so I think that for me was his highlight. Um, although, yeah, Thruxton was quite a domineering weekend as well. Yeah, it was just a case of that Brands weekend was a, a little bit too late for what was needed if he'd have had that weekend earlier in the season then he'd have been right up in that that title fight and into the last few laps of the the final race of the season probably um he he always seems to be the bridesmaid doesn't he far too often i'm worried i have to say because obviously we know he's not at corolla next or this season i keep saying next season but i mean the 21 season I do wonder if this is the chance that got away from him. Just go, looking back through the numbers now, I hadn't quite appreciated just how well he'd scored throughout the season. Mm. And you just think if he'd just been a fraction later onto the scene at Brands Hatch um, GP, he'd have probably got another top six finish there. Oh, and I just don't know. A lot's going to depend where he is for the 21 campaign. 
but I just look at this and yeah. think that this is almost almost closer than the year he nearly did it in the Aventis. Yeah, although points-wise he is much further off. Yeah. Um, it is a case of convert or, or looking at where those non-scores are and what he could have scored rather than necessarily getting that extra place in a couple of races. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, so Tom Ingram then, a, a from us, one of the definite stars of the year. Shall we move on to the WSR, boys? Yes, um, um, a car that a, a car that came back with a beautiful livery, I must say. Best on the grid for me. Um, yeah, it was it was an excellent livery. Um, obviously, Turkington was coming back and trying to take that fifth British touring car trap, British touring car crown, even. Um, unfortunately, fell short and finished second in championship with three hundred and thirty-six points. He had five wins and eight podiums. Um, so arguably the most consistent over the season surprise 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 yeah uh, in the mid season we gave him an A and my end of season is an A minus oh ok I've gone for an A completely um, because I'm not sure as much else he could have done because you look at what he's actually done he's barely put a foot wrong all season one of the best scorers on the grid. Okay, there was a couple of uncharacteristic errors, and the same old problems persist for Colin in the wet that he can't seem to get a tune in wet conditions. Um, mm. But you look at how do the top drivers bounce back? So Croft, the king of Croft, fell and had a really poor weekend, and then absolutely Massively. dominated Snetterton in a way that I was not expecting him to do. Yeah, which is a true mark of how good a driver he is. Brands. Um, to end the season poor but it was wet and we, as soon as the, as soon as those rain clouds came over we both said that you know we were back in ash and I think that I think that was the general consensus that the, the podium had swung uh, pendulum had swung sorry in ash's favour as soon as the rain clouds came in yeah of, of those top four drivers that were up there of ash Turkington Camish and Ingram we, we knew that as soon as the rain was coming that Turkington had almost ruled himself out of it, especially not being in the lead of the championship going into that round. Um, as you say, his highlight for me were those two wins and the third at Snetterton. Yeah. Um, and he, that gained him the highest uh, points over a, a race weekend of anyone over the over the season. Um, and yes, the, the low point was the, the King of Croft being toppled, um, and especially that great crash in race two, because it was his own fault. He outbraked himself, he left it, <laughs> put put himself in the barrier, and then consequently his race three didn't even, um, didn't even get out, did he? I think he, he got out and then had a problem, didn't he? So he, after the yeah. first lap or so, he had an engine problem. Um and I think then treated the rest of the day as a test session from memory. Um, which it doesn't really help when you've got gravel in it. No, no. But as I say, yeah, the way he bounced back at Snerton was was incredible. Yeah. You know, you just look at his numbers throughout the season. He put five, uh, sorry, four podiums together back to back. I mean, he just strings together results, doesn't he? Um, mm, he does. Ultimately, perhaps could have potentially looked to turn a couple of those thirds into seconds or seconds into firsts in a way. I have criticised Colin in the past that. Knockhill comes to mind, particularly in race two. He never really forced the issue on Ash Sutton, who obviously had the full weight mm. in the car. He was always behind Ash, but never launched the move. And I, okay, there's still a lot of racing to go uh, at that point of the season and the way the calendar was last year, but never really committed to a move, did he? There's a couple of times you thought he could launch us at the hairpin or try the outside or just do something to unsettle Ash and just, just never tried it not or never committed to it and as such ash got two two wins and colin only got two seconds well for me his his surprise performance of the season was at thruxton there was no podium and he only scored 11 points all weekend in a track that we normally see the bmws dominating at it's a power circuit and he just didn't take advantage of what the car should have been giving him that weekend and could that have turned his his season into a winning one possibly if you go out and score a consistent what 30 points at that round then that puts him right level with Ash Sutton 
Yeah, I mean, he had a non-class finish in race one at Thruxton, which would obviously put him towards the back of the grid for race two, so it was a, a salvage job from there. But you're right, he didn't cut through the field like we would have thought him uh, capable no. of, uh, and then sort of built a little bit more on race three to get to eighth. But I don't know, I, I think that, I, you know I like to, to criticise for playing the numbers game, and you just look at how many more places could he have made if he'd gone for a little bit more racecraft, a little bit more. I mean, Alton Park's another one that comes to mind where he was swapped in front of Oliphant to have a go at Morgan, I think it was, and couldn't, again, never really made the move. That was race three at Alton Park. He, he was uh, switched in front of Oliphant, finished second. I know the race was cut short due to a red flag, but <sighs> in, again, he didn't... Morgan's in a slow Mercedes at a track which suits the BMW, and he just didn't really put any pressure on Morgan. He never gave Oliphant the position back during the season either. No. So we'll see how that goes for next season, whether that carries over. But you know, yeah. I, I did say at the time he was never going to give the position back. Of course he wasn't. No. But yeah, no, I can understand why WSR made that move. But actually, looking back, Oliphant made more attempt in my mind to get past Morgan than Turkington did. Mm. Well, you, you speak about Oliphant. Um, he had probably his, his best season in touring cars so far. Finished sixth in the championship with 228 points. Took his maiden win and also had three podiums. Now, mid-season, we agreed on a grade of B. Uh, and at the end of the season, I've given him a B-. minus. I've given him a B+. Plus. I'll tell you for why. I'll give you my argument first. Um, you look at the step-up he's made from his debut season with Sicily to last season to this season. He's made big leaps each time. Um, he's obviously a very quick learner in getting uh, control of how the touring cars he's driving works. Um, and he's built on what he's done each year. He's scored points in all but one race this season, which is mm. pretty good considering the way uh, the short calendar and the way the races were contested. I think there's it's fair to say there was instant aplenty. Um, hmm. And he managed to stay out of trouble pretty much all year round. His only retirement coming in the first race at Silverstone. Worth pointing out that he then fought back to ninth and second that weekend. I always look at how people bounce back from those kind of things, and that's a pretty good response. As you say, his maiden win slightly dampened in my mind. It came from a reverse grid draw. The car is good enough to to win without using reverse grid, but a win's a win. And, wins, and a wins, Hondas, a win. Hondas were falling left, right, and centre in that race. They were, but yeah, a win's a win, and you know that's. And he could have possibly had more. Um, if he was allowed to attack a little bit more. My only criticism of him would be, and I've said it all throughout the year, slight soft touch, he's quite easy to get past. Yeah, um, my my low point was him, where there were races throughout the season where he looked passive, and he just didn't race people, and put enough on the line to make people think twice about trying to get past him. Um, and that is something that he definitely needs to improve on. But on the flip side, I think it's fair to say he's certainly one of the cleaner drivers on the grid. I can't remember any instance that he's been involved in that I'd put at his door for blame-wise. No. He's been involved in no. a couple which has uh, damaged his race that I've not apportioned blame to. And Brands Hatch uh, comes to mind. I think he had a, an incident with Cook in race two from memory. Um, but again, I, oh, yeah, there's not been any instance that I can think of where I go, oh, Oliphant's caused that or is at fault for that. So... I think that he's had a very solid season. There's certainly improvement to be made. He's not going to be on level with Colin Turkton because there's, if nothing else, the political stuff in the team means that Colin is number one driver and is a far more experienced driver and has been mm -hmm. at WSR for years and knows the equipment and the team inside out. But considering that this is only his third season, to be sick for the championship, to be scoring over 200 points, taking a win and a couple of other podiums along the way signs are good for him yeah the thing that surprised me most was he had only had one non-score um mm. but the re the reason that i've gone for a b minus is you look at the second half of the season and there's one podium that's it the, in the first half he had a couple of podiums he took the win but in those final six races at snetterton and brands hatch he finished once inside the top 10 and that's that, a, that's a poor that's a poor end of the season for me. For someone that should have been up there helping Colin along, he needs to be doing better. That's a fair um, comment and a fair assessment. I would say that, I th if, again, he was caught up in a couple of incidents. Uh, mm. I think there was one at Croft. I think there was definitely one at Brands Hatch. Um, 
I think the low light of the season is Snetterton because I've said it several times on this pod already. You compare yourself to your teammate, a 14th, 11th, and a 12th, compared to a first, a first, and a third. With less weight not, on board. Yeah, with less weight on board. Not great. But of course, the problem is as soon as you get stuck in that part of the field, it's difficult to get through because the standard of driving or. <sighs> There's more. There's more chance for accidents, should we say? That that's the polite yes. way of saying it. it it's you, frenetic. You, yeah, you're leaving yourself open to attack. Um, but I'm certainly interested to see what he does this year, assuming WSR retain his services. There's not been no announcement from WSR as to their three drivers uh, thus far, but I would assume Oliphant would be there, and I'd be interested to see what he is doing or how he does this time round. Yeah, the only thing that they've announced so far is that they will be looking to run all three cars. Um, I still think that some of these announcements will be dependent on uh, how the season's going to turn out. Obviously, pandemic pending. Um, Shall we move on then? Yeah, let's do dynamics, shall we? Do you want to start with Neil or Kamish? Uh, I've got Kamish above Neil, so we'll go for Kamish. Uh, Finished third in the championship with 334 points, just two points behind Colin Turkington. He took four wins and five podiums. Uh, And mid-season, we gave him a B. At the end of the season, I've given him a B as well. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And using your logic of the second half of the season, uh, as you mentioned with Oliphant before, quite a meh end to the season really for Kamish wasn't it with off day a real bad off day at Snetterton for him where okay he took three sixes in a row but just had no pace was he just just wasn't at the races so to speak um I thought he was just a bit yeah just finished a bit meh just a, it all fell a, felt a bit flat for him towards the end of the season it did um and I don't know whether that was the case of um the the car running weight or I don't know, it it seemed to take its toll on him, although saying that, he never finished outside the top 10 in the second half of the season. So, consistency-wise, he's right up there, but he's not taking enough podiums, enough wins. Yeah, and the opening brands, uh, sorry, the first brands weekend cost him dear, albeit albeit there's not much he could have done differently from it, Um, but reliability in what we normally term as a fairly reliable car and team, you know, you take your first and you get a 19th in a retirement. You know, if you get the first or in the opening race, that sort of sets you up for the weekend. You, you've mm. got to make the most of it. You can't really then have a 19th in a retirement. Albeit he bounced back very well at Alton Park to a second and a fourth. But then a 15th in race three. As you say, the car didn't seem to handle weight particularly well this time round. Um, it was quite a, su- quite a surprise, really, because we've always known the Hondas to hold weight well and the the car hadn't changed from the previous season where it held weight well I think what will also be concerning for Dynamics is that I really got the impression that Corolla was ahead of it this year um, I know that obviously Kamish and Ingram a fair few tight and clean and exciting fights between them but actually Ingram won most of them um, certainly seemed to have the upper hand over the over Kamish and the Honda Kamish didn't, couldn't seem to get a start for love nor money all season long as well he openly admitted that he was having trouble with that yeah. and I don't know I'm, I'm wondering if the FK8 has run its course I'm, I'm, I just look around and think is the Ford quicker? Arguably yes is the Raw Corolla pace, quicker? Yes. I think so, I, I, so. It, it's weird how la- in this last season we've seen cars go off like rocket ships at the start specifically the, the Focus and Ingram's Corolla and they're really quick at the start of the race but the Honda seems to gain that pace towards the end of the race but it just depends how much it's lost at the start yeah I think that the Honda comes good as you say if there's more laps in a race but that's a yeah it's always easier to get out front and then control the race on the front than to try and reel it in on the last couple of laps because as we saw several times I think Thruxton was a good example with Ingram in front of Kamish you know he's just Tom was just able to just keep the car going, yep. keep the car in front, and Cavish didn't really have much of an answer. No, when, um, once you're in front and put the car in all the right places, it's incredibly difficult to get past someone unless you've got that superior amount of speed. Uh, we, we see it in F1. People need to have sort of like over a second a lap quicker to get past. I know there's a lot more aerodynamics in that, but you need to have that significant amount of pace. If you're not going to get past them in a straight line, then you have to do them under the brakes or you have to get them coming out of the corner. And once you're in front and you know where to place the car, 
then you can really hamper what the driver's doing behind you. Yeah, I agree. And I say, I just, you look back at it now, and I just think this next turn weekend, I almost got the impression that the towel had been thrown in at points because it was just such a meh off the pace performance. And which is a shame because you then go to Brands and get a, thir- a first, a third, and a fourth. If he just got a couple more places at Snedston, could be a very different story. Yep. Yeah. But in reality, he never looked close to making those extra places at Snetterton. Um I'm worried about where, how competitive the FK8 is. We'll have to see how hmm. that goes into this season. Talking of people who or things that might be uncompetitive, uh, Matt Neal. Yes, it wasn't so, a particular highlight, was it, last season? No, I mean, I we gave a mid-season grade of C... I've gone for a final grade of D, so I've actually gone down a grade. Oh. I, I've I've finished him off with a C. Um, he had three podiums across the season, uh, finished on 181 points, but he was all the way down in 11th in the championship, which is something that is fairly uncharacteristic for him. Um, but the, the main reason that I've kept him at a C level is because he had a better second half of the season um, and really picked up for the the slow start that they had i mean yes he had a better half of the season that is true but then it was hard to have as bad a start to the <laughs> yeah, season true. as well i mean i think the back-to-back thirds at thruxton very good and that, i think that keeps his record of scoring a podium at thruxton in each of his um campaigns in the touring cars which is crazy mm. um and a second at croft very good yes um but <laughs> you know you win a championship normally by having some backing from your team. Okay, Sutton might be the exception to prove that this year. But when the going got tough and you thought, can Neil help Camish? Snetterton, nowhere. Brands, nowhere. Didn't qualify particularly well all year. Got involved in incidents galore. I mean, the Cook one, I can understand why he had a go at him uh, in the last sort of lap to try and get the win at um, Alton Park and why it was taken off of him. Um Croft, sorry, might have taken off of him, but you know. Yeah, I, I think his low He's better than this. His low point of the season was at Alton Park, where he had two non-classifieds and a thirteenth in the middle of that, and he was just like nowhere. He might as well not been there that weekend. One thing that I don't know whether this should caveat his season, but he had that big accident before the start of this season where he broke his collarbone, suffered a punctured lung that collapsed and had that biking accident where he collided with a tree. I I wonder whether he never found full fitness again that season because of how compacted the calendar then was. My response to that would be twofold. Firstly, a 5th, a 7th and an 8th in the opening round yes. of the uh, weekend. My second point would be, if you're not 100% fit, don't race. What, when you've got Flash as a backup? Say, well, Flash or his son, or there's people around who could have taken the seat, mm. even if it was only for a temporary. You know, it's easy for me to say sat here in my armchair, but <laughs> if you're not 100% fit, do not race. You know? Because you're just not going to be much use to yourself or the team or the grid, really. But the last thing anyone wants to see, apart from staunch JP fans, though even then I think they might begrudgingly want to see, is an uncompetitive Matt Neal, because... He has been such a stalwart of the championship and such a, a mainstayer that you want him competing. And it's almost quite sad in a way to see the, the sharp decline in him over the last couple of years. I think the saying is, you know, you either die a hero or stay long enough to see yourself become the villain. Mm. And I think we're edging into the latter part of that saying now. Yeah, well, the, the um, surprise for me is that he hasn't had a win for two seasons now. Um, mm. and that this could well be a farewell, if not this season just gone, certainly I think this season coming, um, before we go into the the hybrid era. Yeah, and again, Camish for the uh, for the record took four wins. Yeah. So the car was capable of taking victories. Matt just not seemingly capable of taking victories, and to be honest, I, I can't really remember, apart from Croft aside where he was second and challenged Cook completely unfairly for the lead. <laughs> I can't really remember any other time where Neil looked remotely competitive. He looked fairly competitive at Thruxton where he took those two podiums. He he looked back on on some sort of pace. Obviously um, 
Ingram took two wins, Kamish took two seconds. We saw the pace was in the car, um, and he yeah. backed him up fairly well with a seventh in race three as well. Yeah, I suppose Thruxton competitive is difficult to see how competitive he was because he was never going to try and get past no. Dan Tura Bustley, and obviously Ingram dominated or held sorry the the front two positions. But I don't know. I just if you told me he wasn't there. <laughs> I wouldn't have noticed. No. You know, he just... It was an, uh, an unnoticeable season, shall we say. Yeah, very much so. Um, shall we move on to a driver that had a much yeah. more noticeable season? Um, certainly much improved on seasons before. And we'll move to most base now. And Ollie Jackson, first of all. Oh, OK. We're going to start with Jacko. That's fine. Yeah, yep, mid-season grade. We went for a C... Final grade, I've gone for a B plus. Oh, so have I. Oh, we work so well together, don't we? We haven't even con- sort of like conflicted over these. No, we haven't. We haven't. It was a great season on the whole for Ollie. Uh, a double race winner and a strong finisher throughout most of the season, particularly the second half of the campaign. Uh, we also got to see his racecraft a lot more this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, he more more than held his own uh, among traditional front runners. A little bit unlucky at times with reliability and contact issues. Some errors by himself along the way as well, as you'd expect. Um, but overall, I thought it was a really good performance and a massive improvement on last season. Yeah, he finished 12th in championship, uh, taking 152 points. Obviously, you said he had those two wins. Uh, the maiden win coming at uh, Silverstone in the final race. Silverstone. And... Um, yeah, and another podium to back that up as well early in the season at Brands Hatch where that car looked extremely quick. However, they got the setup a little bit wrong and they had punctures, didn't they? Yeah, he had to retire in race three due to punctures. I think that podium at Brands is probably my highlight of his season. Yeah. I know it's very obvious the race that the two wins could and perhaps should be, but I just remember him holding back the traditional people, you know, the, your traditional front runners. You know, he he finished ahead of England and Sutton, for example. You know, and Sutton. You know, he held back these people who have done this for years. And, yep. You know, ran at the front for ages. Held back Tom Chilton as well. You know, these are people that, and, and you know, Ollie's no novice. He's been in the season, the, the series, a lot longer than people might remember yeah. or might think. But you know, he really showed he is a he is here on merit. He's not here to make up the numbers. And actually, there's a good racer in there. Uh, yeah, I, I went for his maiden win at Silverstone being the highlight for him. Um, because, as you say, that the pace that he showed and the quality that he showed in the early season, that really come, came to the forefront in that race at Silverstone where he was able to uh, to hold off uh, Oliphant for the win. Yeah, and it's a really strong finish as well of a fifth, a fifth and a tenth at Brands Indy. OK, there's nothing on the, on the line for him, but that's still a good... Mm solid chunk of points and you know I think I I hope he retains his seat for this season because I think actually we're now starting to see the best of Ollie Jackson um, and he looks he, he towards the second half of last of the 2019 campaign he was yep. improving and he's gone a big leap further uh, the last campaign and yeah he's starting to look a really a really strong driver yes there's improvement you know there's a couple of times where Thruxton's a low light where a 14th 14th and a 13th where the car should have been quicker. You look at Butcher, took a sixth, a fifth, and a third. But I mean, there's also you, there's also been some fantastic weekends along the, along the way, and I think he can be a real a real star for next year. Yeah, for me, his low point was at Knock Hill actually the the weekend before Thruxton, where he seemed to have poor pace that weekend. Something that Butcher had masses of, obviously being his his home race. But that poor pace put him into that area where incidents happen, and that's what happened in race three. If you remember that big accident at the top of the hill at the chicane. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Oh, crikey, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> yes, you're right. Um, so, yeah, there there are points where he needs to find more consistency. However, his consistency this season, especially in the second half, has been the thing that has surprised me. Um, obviously his quality has has improved and taking two wins can only help his confidence yeah and I think also Croft's uh, Croft race 3 is a good example of how he's improved retired race 2 so back of the grid finishes 12th at a circuit where overtaking is possible but you've got to be quite brave and quite clever to do it and that's he's made up a lot of positions um, at a fairly difficult circuit yep um, let's do Butcher next then so Rory Butcher 
sort of the flagship driver, if you will. Mid-season score of an A. I've given him a final score of a B. I've taken him down a bit. Yeah, so have I. <laughs> and there are a few um, reasons behind that, I assume. Yeah, so obviously, you know, he came out of the blocks, all guns blazing, and a car that took us totally by surprise. Um, was in the title hunt for a second year running, which is pretty impressive, but second half of the season, he just got caught up in too many scrapes. Some weren't his fault, some were his fault. People still might want to blame Neil for the Silverstone one. I think it's six of one, half a dozen of the other, personally. There's a Snetterton Ingram example. There's a Knockhead example in race two, where he got caught up in a bit of handbags, and that put him down the order in a race that he could have possibly won, or at least got a podium in. Just, you know... A bit too ambitious and a bit too aggressive at times, I think. Yeah, in the end, he finished fifth in the championship, uh, scoring 286 points, eventually some way well off of Sutton, um, and he was also fairly well off of Sutton in the Independence Championship as well. He took three three wins a long way, along with five podiums. Um, his highlight for me was at Alton Park, where he had a first, a second and an eighth, and the car looked so, so quick. Yeah, that's a, that's a. I can see why that would be one of the ones. I think I'd probably go for. Oh, I Snetterton, I think, with four for fourth and a fifth. Um, where, again, the car looked very, very quick. Um, it's just, I say, he just got himself. And that was, of course, on the back of the Silverstone um, <laughs> accident as well. But he just got caught up in too many scrapes. And Snetterton, obviously, one where him and Ingram got caught up together as well. And yep. uh, just. Just a little bit of naivety, maybe. I mean, it's easy to forget that he's only contested a couple of seasons in the touring cars. He's not, a, you know, he's not been here for years, um, so there is still a learning curve for him. I just think he needs to be a little less bolshy and a little, little more play the numbers game, um, because there's a couple of instances where you can blame him for fairly big shunts that have ended in quite serious accidents. Yeah, uh, for me, the the low point for the car probably more than him um, was at the Brands Hatch GP circuit where they had the two retirements and they were pushing looking quick but in the end the setup was wrong and they got the punches which is something that they struggled with across the team yeah the setups were, were as you say incorrect but equally I suppose um, what can they go on data wise you know it's a brand new car it's an unusual to run surely, uh, Brands GP in, in those conditions because it normally comes later in the season. Surely you so err on the side of caution. Such a hot condition. Well, yeah, but the car's got to finish a race to get points. Uh, I think you know hindsight is a wonderful thing. I just think you know it's uh, you're racing Brands Hatch long in summer conditions. Mm. It's unusual. Um, the the surprise from Rory this season was. First of all, the raw speed that was in that car fresh out of the box. Um, it looked incredible and we thought, oh, hang on, we might have another challenger here. Um, however, towards the end of the season, that, that completely changed and his temper uh, he, towards <laughs> caused him problems towards the end of the season. Um, and, as you say, got himself into scrapes and incidents that he probably didn't need to be in. And you saw him actually quite fired up and animated after a couple of races. And that's not the Rory that we used to see. And certainly not the Rory that took the independence title. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think ultimately he cost himself a chance at the championship. Yes. Um, I still don't hold him blameless for the Silverstone incident. I think that the reason he might be being given a pass on that is because of the, the severity of the consequence. But I... I don't blame Matt Neal 100% in that move, I have to say. No, not um, at all. I just think that, ultimately, one too many... Well, a scrape too far. Talking of a scrape too far, <laughs> uh, somebody who got into a couple of scrapes this season was the third motorbase runner, Andy Neat. Now, mid-season, I went for a C. Uh, final grade, I've gone for a D. Yeah, so have I. Um, I mean, <laughs> first half of the season, I was pleasantly surprised. His return had caused a little bit of a stir amongst the fans and on the socials, but by the halfway stage, Neat had been fairly clean, raced quite well, shown glimpses of, of uh, a good driver underneath, and then came the string of incidents. Uh, Thruxton with Bordley, where it was effectively fours or six on an online forum, 
uh, from which he was then totally disqualified. Silverstone with Edwards, which is like trying to race F1 against AI that take you off at the final Grand Prix of the season, thus costing the championship by a single point. Who could that possibly happen to? <laughs> uh, and then just the racing improved a bit from there, but it couldn't have got much worse. Uh, I just, if you ask anybody apart from his fan base to, to comment on his season from the neat point of view, I think most of the comments would be negative, unfortunately. Um, Yeah, the early season driving was good, and the highlight for him probably came at the Brands Hatch GP weekend where we saw that that car looked mega quick. Obviously, it's the home circuit for Motorbase. Um, And we thought, okay, he could kick on from here and actually uh, change the opinions of those that doubted him coming back into the championship. Mm. And... And he had that opportunity. But from Thruxton onwards, I've just got that as the low point. The fact that it didn't get better. Um, And he fell into some old combative ways. Yeah, I mean, he did not score a point uh, from the first race of Horton Park onwards. So ultimately finished the season with three points. When you compare to Jackson's 181 and Rory Butcher's 286... You know, that car can score points, should score points, and ultimately just just got involved in too many instances, banged too many doors, and was, you know, just the... He, as you say, he'll remem- he will be remembered this season for a treble disqualification from an entire weekend at Thruxton, which I've not seen, I don't think I've ever seen, actually, in my time watching the touring no, cars. certainly not in, in recent memory. I don't think there's much else to say really um so we'll move on to the btc boys and i'm going to start with tom chilton who was <laughs> rather hilariously now my tip for the title going into the 2020 campaign uh. and mid-season we go went for a b final grade i went for a c plus oh, i just went for a flat c um he he okay. failed to impress this season in a car that we agreed at the yes. start of the season should be one that he should be looking to take advantage of. Um, and we thought, sort of like, in the opening... The opening round wasn't great, it was okay. Um, and then he had a decent, two decent results at Brands. And then, obviously, being a Honda, one of the races, it let him down. Um but across the season, he only got three podiums, which for someone who has finished much higher in the championship and been challenging for titles in world touring cars and British touring cars to some extent, you'd expect a lot more from. Yeah, and what's interesting is, obviously it's been announced he's going to be at Sicily for next season in the BMW. You can't say Tom's not had the equipment to challenge for a title. He's driven for Vauxhall during their sort of dominating period. Yep. He's driven for Dynamics. He's now he's been in Motorbase where he finished third in one year of the Shredded Wheat cars. He's now had a FK8 at his disposal and not really done much with that. I mean, he has had the equipment mm. to to get that maiden BTC championship, and I don't think it's going to happen. Um, obviously, we'll see what happens this year with Sicily. But I mean, you're right. It was an underwhelming season. Every time he seemed to get something together, something yeah. would go wrong. Three podiums, not particularly great. I would say Thruxton was probably his highlight, having uh, a 7th, 7th and a 2nd, so a good weekend uh, there for him. But, yeah, again, when you look at the equipment, you compare him to the teammate, Cook was much better, and Cook had a lot of reliability problems at the start of the year as well, and actually throughout the year, and Cook, second half of the campaign, really Mm. kicked on, and Tom kicked on a little bit, but not in the leaps and bounds you'd expect from Tom Chilton. For Tom to go three races in a row and not score a point is very un-Tom-like. And that wasn't due to reliability problems, that was finishing. Well, uh, cav- I assume you're on about Snetterton there. Yeah. Yeah, so the caveat to that is that he did have turbo problems that weekend, um, which meant that he was fairly well down on pace. But yeah, that that was a low point for him. Um, with no points scored across a weekend for a driver of his quality, it's not on, really. Um I thought his best performance was at Croft, uh, where he had two sixes and a third. Um, consistently showed pace, but saying that, Cook won the first two races that weekend, showing that the car had a lot more pace than um, Tom showed in it. 
Um, surprise, he scored in all but five races, and yeah, I think he should be scoring in all races. I'd agree. Still one of the more entertaining drivers on the grid with his tyre choices, particularly at Brands at the final weekends where he went for the wets, I think he did, and he was very, very quick mm. for a couple of laps and then very, 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 very slow yes. for the rest of the race. But exciting. It was fun to watch. He's a good character, and again, he's a he's a you know a long stayer in the touring cars, but for me, didn't make the most of the equipment at his disposal, no. um, which is why it's only a C+. Whereas Cook, mid-season, I went for a D. Yep. And for the final grade, I've gone for a B plus. Oh. Um, a season of two halves for me. Okay. I've only gone for a C at the end of the season. Yes, I know he, he certainly kicked on in that second half. Um, and it brought him much more into line where kind of where we thought he should be. Um, and, yeah, he had a wonderful weekend at Croft taking those two wins. And, and sort of like led the pack away and escaped, really. Um, but this is a driver that was going into the final round last season in with a possible chance of the of the title. Well, a mathematical one. It wasn't really a. But yes, yes. But I mean, you know, if we take Knock Hill as the halfway point as we did, he then scored in every single race from the second half of the season, including three wins. Yeah. And he scored inside the top ten as and well. And he scored in the top ten for each of those races so you know he's put together a run of I think that's 15 straight races in the top 10 yeah that's pretty yeah, good yeah it, it was a good good run from him uh, eventually finishing only ninth in the championship though on 196 points um, took one other podium outside those three wins it, it was very much of sort of like what Ingram did the year four where he took a good handful of wins and then not many podiums. Let's also not forget though that he should have had another win at Alton Park had it not been for the ridiculous ride height in the wet rules that I've talked about so often um, you know just when they thought he'd... and that ruined his weekend because yes. you then start the back of the grid with full weight on the car and that's the weekend ruin so you can pretty much say Alton Park the fact he scored any points there was in as a fairly good show but you know that's effectively a whole weekend wiped off so I don't know I think I think he showed second half of the season that there is to the racer in there and that given the correct equipment uh, that's not going to fail on you he is a very good driver um, and I'm interested to see what he does this this year I, I wonder whether there'll be more of a focal point on him this season um, with Kreese moving up what looks like into the main team and then Jade coming in as that third car yeah you'd have thought he would have to be the, uh, the focal point given the fairly uh, novice nature of the other two drivers uh, you mentioned Crease there. Yep. Mid-season C, final score I went for of a C. How did you rate Crease's uh, season with BTC? Uh, so at the end of the season I went for a B, mainly because he ended up being the Jack Sears champion. Um, he finished 17th in the main championship, scoring 50 points. Only had a best finish of 9th. Um, and he was fairly lucky to get on to that Jack Sears trophy um, much to the demise or unfortunate circumstance of Bobby Thompson yeah I mean the cynic in me would say that he almost won it by default yes that's perhaps slightly harsh but when you go I think there's uh, seven races on the bounce without scoring any points uh, or in the top 15 um, in a car that should be I mean okay we've just been moaned uh Cook and Chilton's seasons both scored 196, 184 points um, respectively. Crease got 50. I know it's his yeah. second season, but that's a long way off. That's a long way off in a car that. I mean, when we previewed the season all the way back when, we both thought Crease might be able to sneak a podium at some point, and obviously yeah. nowhere near. No, he wasn't. Um, he's. The highlight for me was at Snetterton towards the end of the season where he scored in all three races and it was the only time he managed that in the se in this season, uh, which surprised me. Um, and the the low point was the really dire weekend that he had at Silverstone where he had yes. uh, three retirements. Um, not always his fault, more down to the car than anything. I would also say that questions remain, should we say, about driving standards. Okay, as a, well, him and Bobby Thompson seem to have a fairly ding dong battle throughout the year, where they would be, you know, knocking lumps out of each other. Um, it, and he, from memory, didn't he take Cook off at Alton Park as well? Um, 
I, I would just say that there's still some questions to be answered on that. Perhaps to be expected of only you know two seasons now in the championship. Um, but if he's going to be the number two for this campaign coming up, then I think he needs to be a little bit more clever, shall we say, with his moves. And consistent. Um, who have we got left for this week, though? I think we're almost there now, aren't we? So, yeah, we're on to our final team, as it were. Uh, a team made up of what was originally only meant to be two drivers, uh, trade price cars, uh, ended up being four due to financial and uh, injury circumstance. Um, I think we'll start off with their, their star driver in Bobby Thompson. Finished 18th yep. in the championship with 44 points, had a best finish of 8th. Mid-season, we gave him a grade of C, and at the end of the season, I'm going to give him a C as well, mainly down to the fact that, obviously, he missed those last two rounds, and it's a case of what could have been. Because I think he, he was I, well on his way to being probably B+, because of being Jack Sears champion, and having a stellar weekend at Croft until that massive accident. Well, I've gone for a B on the basis that I can only mark of what's in front of me. Um... And on that basis, I thought he was a, I th well, I thought he was a showing for the Jack Sears anyway. Yeah. He found the form at the right time, uh, a consistent scorer in both the main competition and also the Jack Sears throughout the year. Um, particularly considered the car he had compared to the competitors in the Jack Sears Trophy. You know, he had one of the older cars um, and one of the slower cars, and was doing a pretty damn good job in it. Yeah, um, that that was what surprised me from his season is the amount of pace that he managed to squeeze out of that Audi S3, um, yes. and consequently the highlight of those two eights at Croft, battling with champions and race winners and very much holding his own. Yeah, agreed. I thought he was very good, um, good value for those results, and, and very unlucky with the way the car uh, went on him in the third race. Um, I'd also <sighs> say that. The low point for me was probably the. Do you remember the really feeble defence of a front row star at Alton Park? Oh yes, where he just fell through the the trap hole or trap door I in the was, field. Wasn't he something ridiculous like twelfth by turn two or something ridiculous and eighteenth by the end something of the like that, that yeah. one? Uh, I don't know if the occasion got to him a little bit, but that was probably the low point for me. Particularly because we could then see what the car could do at Croft. I know it's two different setups and two different circuits and two different conditions, but. You know, he clearly has the ability. Um, it'd be a real shame if he can't come back um, for this year due to injury or not being able to get a drive because I think that he's got unfinished business in the Jack Sears Trophy. Um, but I think, given on what I've got in front of me, a really maturing drive, improved a hell of a lot from last season. Um, and while it is a bit of what could have been, based on what I have, I'm going to go for a B. Yeah, I, I think that the, the contrast in that final race weekend of his at Croft um, was really, I don't know, wrenching on him probably, the fact of that massive accident that ended his season prematurely due to concussion. Um, he'll be ruining what could have been and hopefully he will get the chance to come back b bigger, better and stronger this season. Talking of things that what could have been, uh, Gornall, mid-grade D, final grade I went for a D, um, obviously he couldn't contest the full season unfortunately so it's, I, I found this one quite difficult to judge because he's a debutant in a older slower car and hasn't finished the full season were flashes of what he could do Brands being a particular highlight of, of, of you know that there's a racer in there there's certainly talent and I think you can forgive inconsistency in a debut season with limited machinery underneath you um, I think the problem is he just got involved in one too many incidents yeah, he finished 20th in the championship, scoring 18 points. Obviously, you said that he had that best finish of 7th. Uh, I gave him a D at the end of the season as well. Um, and the, he looked racy at points, and he looked mm. like he could hold his own, certainly early on in the season. Um, but he was never able to capitalise and, and push on and develop at a rate we would, I don't know... Is it being harsh that we would kind of expect from a debut driver? I think we have to remember the machinery he's in. Yes. And also that the touring cars is a hell of a step up for anyone. But I think that makes it even more frustrating because there were those flashes in there of what could have been. Um, 
I just think ultimately it's very difficult to judge when you've not got all the data in front of you. Um, completely outshone by Bobby Thompson, as you might expect, given yep. he already had a season in the car. Uh, I think there's a racing driver there with real talent. I just think he needs, if he's going to be here this season, which I don't think he will be, uh, but if he is, he, he needs a full season and he needs a car that he can compete in. Yeah, he certainly does. Um, I think I have to agree with you on the fact that I don't think he's going to be back this season. Just looking at how the the seats are filling out gradually, um, I'm not sure of the drivers that are left, whether he tops or gets near on anyone's list of must-haves. I'd agree. Um, if we move to these sort of emergency drivers then, who who's filled the two spaces for Gornall, and um, and Thompson. I'm going to start with Rivette. Obviously, there's no mid-season grade here. Uh, I'm going to give him a final grade of a D. Um, okay. How did you rate his his short but uh, so yeah, campaign? yeah he only uh, took part in the final two rounds. Um, came in and we kind of knew that Snetterton was going to be a bit of a see how it goes and a bit of getting used to the car which it was um, and then the Brands Hatch his home weekend was going to be one where he could show what sort of pace he had I've given him a C um, so to come in to that car brand new to to the touring car although a very experienced racer at lower levels he came in and scored a point in the, his fourth race um, which was which was good, um, and I'm sure that was probably his high point. The low point was you're coming into a car that is fairly uncompetitive, and chances to shine in it aren't going to be rife when you're only in it for six races and two rounds of the season. I've gone for a slightly different tact. Um, my view is that lots of pedigree, yeah, and ultimately not much to back it up with. Um, I think that when I've uh, said before that the step into touring cars is massive, but when you've got a CV like Paul Rivet, you'd expect a slightly, well, I'd expect a slightly easier, smoother transition. Albeit there's only two races at very short notice, um, but I do think that he could have coped a little bit better. Although he, of course, nearly did decide the title and nearly completely killing Colin Turpentine. <laughs> you know, yeah. But but joke, joking aside, that for me sums up my view of Rivet's short-lived campaign. I mean. He's a driver who shouldn't be making that kind of mistake. I know it's a touring car and it's different, but that's a rookie, a very rookie mistake to be making to drop yourself at a paddock like that and turn yourself around. Yeah. Somebody with the CV that he has, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have expected. No, he qualified very well. Mm, I have to say, he's a, a fairly strong qualifier and struggled in race conditions. Perhaps that's a testament to how difficult the touring cars is and any weakness is jumped upon. There's a lot to learn when stepping into the touring cars, but. I just think that he had all the tools potentially on the CV to do it. I was just a bit underwhelmed to what was actually uh, produced, and I don't think he's back for the 2021 campaign. Yeah, the, the the fact was that he was, for me, he's surprised with the experience that he had, and he's only now just made his debut in the British Touring Cars, and it was okay. Um, yes, some people may have expected more, some people may have expected less. I think he'll be happy the fact that he scored points um, in himself, um, but I agree, I don't think he'll be back for next season. Okay, the final driver to talk about on this week's uh, pod is Ethan Hamilton, um, who was the other late replacement. I thought, well, I gave him a C minus. Um, I thought a rookie, you know, a rookie on emergency cover did well, if not spectacularly. I think there's lots to come from the youngster, and I don't think we're gonna. That's the last we've heard of him. Um, difficult to get a true vision of what he's about over six races, though. Yeah, so finished for what it means, 32nd in the championship with no points. Um, his best finish was 19th. Uh, I gave him a D, uh, just a flat D in the end. Um, he. He was consistent, but not quick. Yeah, but I think you're looking at someone who's 20 years old, who's still fairly young in his racing career, and he didn't um, he didn't disgrace himself uh, no. coming into the uh, into touring cars at such short notice. So don't forget he had yeah, a I don't think he had a two round run in the touring cars in 2018 as well oh. in Team Hard Volkswagen. Yeah, but you. 
you know, on the hard merry-go-round, you I don't think you can really count much of that because you don't. It's difficult to learn much when you're only there for a couple of races. Yep. I mean, you know, he was brought in as emergency cover in a car that isn't the fastest. It's one of the oldest on the grid. You know, what what would he have been expected to do? Well, get the car home in one piece, and he did that. No retirements. Um, exactly. Got the car home in one piece. You know, what more can you really ask for? Um, he is only 20. That's what I said. There were no mistakes, no damage to the car, and he did what he needed to do in that position. Yeah, let's say he's he's 20 years old. He, you know, that's a that's a young age to come into the touring cars. I know they're getting younger coming into the touring cars, but it's still a young age to come into it. And he did okay. You know, he did okay. W- would he have done better yep. if he had had somebody like Jack Butel who'd had the whole season in a car? Possibly. It's difficult to know. Um, but I think we might see him back this year um, if there's space to accelerate. That's the only place I can see him back, though. For Or unless he goes back to you Team You don't hard. think he'd go back to the well, hard? Yeah, yeah, possibly. But I've got my own theory to who that fourth driver is, so... I was going to say there are there are plenty of options for that team hard seat. Although there do seem to be plenty of options for the accelerate slash trade price cars seats now. Um, so yeah, that's seventeen, eighteen of the drivers uh, from last season. Practically half the field, um, and we'll we'd like to <laughs> well we split these up just to make sure we keep you interested and hopefully. The drivers that you like, you've either heard this week or you'll be hearing again next week. Um, we'll go through the rest of the field next week and give you our final thoughts on what the season was like as a whole. Um, and we'll bring you some news updates, possibly in the meantime or possibly after that. Yep, as ever, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, let us know who your driver grades are or your driver of the season was. We'll probably do some form of award show at some point for driver of the season. Um, we might tag that on to yep. the end of next week's podcast um, for our our own little award show. Or we might do a separate one. We don't know. We'll see how it goes, see what the appetite is like. Uh, but as ever, thanks so much for listening and we'll speak to you all soon. Remember to subscribe, follow and also share our podcast for more touring car updates. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook by just searching for BTCP, British Touring Car Podcast. And you can also contact us there or on our email at btccpod at gmail.com. 